1: podcast welcome back to another episode of the packet a podcast you can get all your packet updates by following us on twitter at packet podcast and remember you can subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google play TuneIn, stitcher or spotify and of course you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. i'm kyle fellows and i am joined by my co-host maggie loney and andrew mertig it's a friday show you guys it's always good to be back together how are you guys doing I'm doing really, really
2: great. We have one week to go and, uh, very excited about that. And, um, yeah, I mean like it, it's such a wonderful time of the year. I feel bad because I'm so distracted by this whole like moving thing, but, uh, maybe how are you
3: doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I I honestly just, it feels like we've waited for so long and now this week I think is going to fly by as we get to actual night one of the draft.
1: We are just one week away now from the 2022 NFL draft, but these weeks leading up to the draft have been really fun. The pack a team has been working hard to bring you some thorough draft coverage, trying to help our listeners get a flyover of as many of these prospects as possible, but also talk about how they may or may not fit with the Green Bay Packers. And so we're going to continue that today with a discussion of the linebackers in this draft class, and then we're going to close the show Uh, With one of our favorite things that we do every single year right before the draft we're going to spend 10 minutes on the clock simulating some scenarios that may present themselves for the Packers when they are in fact on the clock it's going to be a ton of fun uh, to get to that but we're going to start the show with this linebacker class. And, of course, the Packers have done the unthinkable this offseason, right? They paid serious cash for a linebacker of all positions. And Devondre Campbell's fantastic story of rebirthing his career with the Packers culminated in that five-year, $50 million contract that may or may not have Ted Thompson rolling over in his grave. But in all seriousness, the Packers are so very lucky to have finally Uh, have a impact linebacker that they weren't about to let go out those doors so green bay has made their financial commitment to a linebacker and so it's hard to see them taking a linebacker early but i guess you never know right and then of course they could certainly look to add quality depth and special teams contributors later in the draft so let's get into these linebackers andrew why don't you get us started at the top of the show with the top of this linebackers class
2: Yeah, we're going to plow through some of these because, of course, we had the show several weeks ago where we had Dan Dahlke on, um, and he he really went in-depth into the linebacker position, so don't want to repeat too much of that, but uh, I want to kind of go over what we think about... Uh, this linebacking unit. And, you know, certainly I think you, you start at the top of the class and take a look at Devin Lloyd, who is a really good athlete, physical defender, flows to the ball well. He's positioned versatile. So I think you can throw him out there at edge rusher at times, certainly he can blitz from the middle. Um, there are sometimes some limitations in his ability to flip his hips and open, but he is a really good coverage linebacker. Despite that, he is guilty of peeking in a hole and getting out leveraged at times. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of made the note, like maybe he's a B plus version of Micah Parsons because of that versatility, because of his ability to do a lot of different things because of just being a really, really good athlete. Um, I have him as linebacker one and overall 19, um, but he is an older prospect. We, we think he's 23. I don't know if we ever got finalization on that birthday, but, um, he is a little bit older than what the Packers prefer. And so that given with the position value makes Lloyd, a, a difficult one for me to connect to the Packers. Although I think, Adding him alongside of Devontae certainly would be really, really fun. Um, And then you have N'Kobe Dean, who is a highly productive college linebacker. Certainly the leader of that Georgia defense who just has stars at every single position. Um, Really good burst. I I wouldn't say he's necessarily twitchy, and we don't know because he didn't run. Um, So, you know, what I saw on tape was maybe that he's a slightly limited athlete, but that not having those those testing numbers, I think, leaves us in a little bit of a cloud of mystery. He's certainly undersized, so he needs to keep blockers off of him. Uh, he has a great tenacity. He's a really good tackler. Um, but you know, the the note that I made, I'm concerned he's more of just like a safety-sized guy in a thumper linebacker's body. And what role does that have in the NFL today? Right? Like, is he is he maybe a labeled as linebacker Jamal Adams like that would be a really valuable player or is he going to fall into somebody like a you know Taylor Mays kind of situation where you try to play on that linebacker but he's just not big enough and the second a blocker gets on him he's just swallowed up despite how good of a football player he is because he just doesn't physically have the size um, to do that so I have him as linebacker eight and overall 80 and I know I'm crazy crazy low on him but those those limitations just concern the heck out of me.
1: It feels like we've heard a little bit less about this linebacker class, maybe as Packer fans from Packers Twitter and other places we're consuming media, because it is a position where we may not expect a big addition. Uh, so it's fun to hear you break those guys down and get into some of the nitty-gritty of what makes those guys unique prospects. It does feel like Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd are probably long shots to be Packers, and it's easy to fall uh, in love with, I think, that the, the these guys are fun prospects. It would be fun to see them be Packers, uh, but Lloyd in particular is a really fun prospect to for me. Uh, you mentioned the age, and that is kind of problematic. Uh, but you know, I love watching these player interviews, right? And. It's just really obvious how much coaches love this kid. They rave about how much he loves football, how much he watches film. And it's the little things like that that separate the good players from the great ones. But regardless, I think it would be pretty shocking if Lloyd or Dean were selected by Green Bay, as you've said. But this next group is kind of interesting, Andrew. I'm really excited to hear you talk about this next tier linebackers.
2: Yeah, so um, I'm going to include Christian Harris, Chad Muma, and Quay Walker into this group. And so, you know, Christian Harris, the Alabama player, has a bunch of athleticism, athleticism and skill. He is a pass coverage specialist. He will absolutely blink at opposing running backs and tight ends. Uh, though his height could be a little bit of an issue with some of the bigger tight ends in the league, he has all the ability to be good against the run, good instincts, flows to the ball really well. Uh, He definitely has sideline to sideline speed. His effort and technique, though, are a little inconsistent. Um, And you you worry about that. I think as a coach, you say this is the kind of player I want and I'll mold him into, you know, having a little bit more want to um, and a little bit better technique. Um, If he improves that, I I think this guy is going to be an outstanding linebacker at the next level. I have him as my linebacker, too, and overall player 36. I'm a little concerned that the Packers may not see the value in linebacker enough to take him in the first. And I think he's going to go before they get a a chance to uh, take a crack at him in the second round. So we will see. Uh, Then you have Chad Muma uh, coming out of Wyoming, who is a solid athlete, wins with great tackling skill and instincts. He rarely misses the tackle in the box or in the open field. Shoots gaps, plays the game like a running back searching for a hole. He's a really surprisingly good athlete. He packs a punch when he hits players. I like him better in zone than man. But, you know, I think like the average tight ends in the league he can keep up with down the seam. Zone gives him a chance to drop and use those really great instincts. So I have Muma at linebacker three, overall player 45. And I think he could kind of be in that second round strike zone for the Packers. And then you have Quay Walker, who uh, kind of quietly is getting some connections to Green Bay. I know that there's some people who think Walker could potentially get drafted before Nacoby Dean. He's a really good athlete, also big and long, good tackler. Um, sometimes he struggles a little bit in processing and reacting to run plays, but he has all the skills to be really good in coverage. Uh, certainly as the technique improves, he he has a chance to be really good in both phases of the game. And, like, as a developmental prospect, I love his upside. I have him as linebacker 7, overall 75, because I think there's a little bit of work to do there. Probably gets picked somewhere in the, the second round. I know there's some whispers about him sneaking into the end of the first. Um, but this is a great example of a guy who is surrounded by more, like, more accomplished college players and doesn't get his chance to shine, but maybe a much better pro than a college player.
1: Yeah, Quay Walker is really interesting. You mentioned he's 75th overall for you, but you use that word developmental uh, to talk about where he's at as a prospect. There is that buzz about him going late first, and really a team that keeps popping up is the Detroit Lions. Um, They're at the end of the first or early second that they may be interested in adding some talent at linebacker, but we see this every year, right? There's always a couple of these prospects who have these meteoric rises, right? Or at least that's how it feels to us. It's not like... This isn't happening behind the scenes. We find out that the NFL likes these guys more than we think right before the draft, it feels like. And Quay Walker may be one of those guys this year. Uh, but there's some more really good linebacker talent in what's probably like this round three range of the draft. And so I'm curious for your thoughts on guys like Leo Chenal and the Darian Beavers of the world.
2: Yeah, I'm very familiar with Leo Chenal, being a Wisconsin football fan and, and seeing him play for the Badgers. Um And just be really, really successful. He's a thumper who plays the game with an old school mentality. He's a good blitzer. Uh, he's definitely going to make the tackle if he gets his hands on you. I do question his speed in the NFL a little bit. And there's some quickness that goes along with that. Um, he's not going to be a great pass defender, but he will absolutely be a core special teamer and early down linebacker. I know his testing was fantastic. I just didn't necessarily see like that kind of twitched up athlete on tape. So I would take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. But, yeah, like you said, you get him in that that third-round range. I have him as linebacker six, overall 72. I think that's a perfect spot. and he, He's going to be a really impactful player. He's going to be an awesome locker room guy right away. He's a, he's a very natural leader. Darian Beavers is long and tremendous against the run. He uses his size, length, and strength to make impact plays. He's physical. Typically, is going to get his guy to the ground. He does well in zone drops, but he's a bigger player, so he struggles a little bit in man. Uh, Solid athlete, but I'd stop short of saying that he's sideline to sideline, but there's some versatility that goes with that. I know Maggie likes him a lot. I have him as linebacker four and overall player 53, and then we get to Troy Anderson, who played quarterback and running back before switching to linebacker at Montana. Super versatile. He's a really impressive athlete. He can turn to run a man, come up and press and toss blockers. He's big, fast, agile. He's still very much learning the position. I think he played two years at linebacker. Uh, it was uh, his conference's defensive player of the year. Just unreal that a, a player can make that transition. Um, but still, uh, of course, technique needs to come along, taking on blocks, processing run plays. He's a pretty solid tacker. Uh, tackler, given his uh, uh, recent offensive background. And he's going to be an awesome special teams player and could develop into a really good every down linebacker. I know there's some folks throwing around the notion that maybe he could even take some snaps and be kind of a wildcat quarterback too. So uh, he's going to be on the field a whole heck of a lot. Linebacker five, overall 72 for me.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
3: Do you remember when Ty Summers had the potential to be a wild uh, Wildcat quarterback because he played quarterback in high school? Anyway, not what we're talking about. Um, Quay Walker and Darian Beavers were actually the first two linebackers I started studying in this class, and I love both of them, so it has been really interesting to hear Walker kind of ascend into that late first round, early second round conversation. He seems very uh, Bill Belichickian to me, but I don't think they'd take him you know, as high as they're picking, but... Beavers, to me, favorite prospect as far as like the second tier of inside linebackers goes. I really like his versatility a lot to even kind of play off the edge in some sub packages. But there's lots of really good, solid inside linebackers in this class that could pair really nicely with Campbell and honestly really push Chris Barnes for that second spot. I'm just having a really hard time personally seeing the Packers take an inside linebacker you know, before day three.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally with you, Maggie. It certainly feels like taking a linebacker, especially early, seems like a long shot. So let's talk about some of these other guys who might be more of that Packers type, especially this year, because there are these prospects we talked about that are going to come off the board by round three, all these great prospects that we've we've talked about how much we like. But maybe round four or a little bit later is kind of where we see the Packers take some interest here. How about some of these sleepers? Who are the late round gems? in you guys' eyes, that might be out there who could provide the Packers with a little bit of depth or maybe some special teams contributions?
2: I've talked about him on the show at least three times, but my guy is Brandon Smith from Penn State, who is just a crazy athlete who hasn't quite shown the promise at the position yet. He's raw in coverage and often just seems to be guarding a spot on the field instead of, like, the player behind him, uh, he is good physical tacklers. Sometimes he gets taken out of plays with poor angles and misreads. Um, some really, really fun upside given a year or two of coaching. And and you know I think you you put him alongside Devondre Campbell, who understands what it takes to develop. Right, took him a little bit longer than than some other players in the league. And this guy has all of the tools, all of them. Like he's just a ridiculously filthy athlete. And if he can learn how to play the game of football, he is going to be special. And and I think at, at minimum you throw him out there in special teams, and he's he's uh, running all over the place.
3: Yeah, my guy's Demarco Jackson out of Appalachian State. It seems like just yesterday I was smitten with Akeem Davis Gaither out of App State, and now there's another potential hidden gem at inside linebacker for the Mountaineers. Um, but I I love Jackson. I think he's a ton of fun to watch, and he was just absolutely everywhere for App State, uh, their defense last season. He earned himself the 2021 Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year honors, finished the season with 119 tackles, 20 tackles for a loss, which led the Sunbelt, and six sacks. He also has three career picks, 14 passes defensed, and he's got a pretty good 8.26 RAS with fantastic speed. A little bit undersized, I think, maybe to play as your every down inside linebacker at the next level. Um, but he's super strong, really willing tackler, but it's really easy to get him off a spot. You know, he's best when he can kind of go downhill following that initial instinct to get after the ball carrier. I think he really, you know, kind of in the same brain, the same vein that Andrew was talking about with Brandon Smith, he'd make. An impact right away on special teams. He actually returned a punt for a touchdown in 2019. And while he's not going to do that, I would think at the NFL level, he could secure himself a roster spot solely based on his ability to play special teams. He's been a team captain and he could bring that same kind of leadership and energy to a developing special teams unit. One knock against him, of course, is the fact that he's already 23 and he'll be turning 24 in July, so before the season even starts. Um, So just a little old for Goody's metrics, um, even as a rotational depth piece.
1: Would be interesting to see if Goody would go back to App State and uh – Go back to the well there after taking Shamar Jean Charles there last year would be an interesting connection at a school that you don't see maybe as much talent coming from uh, there. But an interesting name there in DeMarco Jackson. I'm going to cheat a little bit here and go to the Georgia Tech player Tariq Carpenter. And Tariq is technically a safety or he played that role for Georgia Tech, but he's expressed a desire and a willingness to switch to linebacker, and we're talking about sleepers here, and Carpenter definitely fits that description. He's a day three player, probably late day three, um, approaching maybe undrafted in that range, but the Packers have had him in for a top 30 visit, and so this is someone that I thought was worth mentioning because he seems to be someone that they may like a little bit. Carpenter's 6'3", 230 pounds, so he's definitely built like he could play that higher. Hybrid linebacker kind of role, and his strength is really playing in the box and flowing to the football. So the move to linebacker might make some sense. And where the Packers are probably interested is it when it probably comes to his special teams ability. He was a consistent contributor there and projects as someone who can make an NFL roster as a special teams guy. He wasn't invited to the combine. But his pro day numbers were good enough to have teams lining up these top 30 visits. He ran a 2 40, which isn't amazing for a safety, right? But if you're looking at him as a 230-pound player who's maybe more of a linebacker, that's flying, right? So he's uh, also a guy who's jumped 11 foot 4 in the broad jump, which would have tied the best mark of all prospects at the combine in general. So he's got that explosiveness too. And in an interview, Carpenter says that teams see him as a big ball of play doh. Those are his own words. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes and how he develops into that linebacker if that's where he ends up serving at the next level.
2: Yeah, and some draft history there. The Packers took an undersized linebacker from Appalachian State named DJ Smith, who uh, I was really fond of and had had a pretty solid career, and then uh, the Packers took a safety out of Georgia Tech, Morgan Burnett, and played a yeah, little there you go. safety linebacker, right? So uh, that is uh, our conversation about linebackers for the evening. And now we're going to get into one of my favorite things that we do all year, and that is 10 minutes on the clock. So this is the third straight year we're simulating the time Brian Gutekunst has on the clock. So the point of this exercise is just to see how much information the team needs to digest really quickly. And how frantic can get in the war room. So I laid out a situation in advance. But Kyle and Maggie don't necessarily know exactly what's going to happen here. So the idea is the Packers come on the clock at pick 22 and need to figure out what direction they want to go. Maggie is going to be our general manager. That's very exciting. <laughs> so don't get mad at me. <laughs> And Kyle's our lead scout. I'm I'm simply the person answering the phones and relaying the trade offers that we might receive. So this is based on my Sim of Mock Draft on the Draft Network. So if you think it's unrealistic, please blame them and not me. Um. Anyways, at this point, are you two ready?
3: Yeah, let's do it.
2: Let's
1: do it. It's going to be fun.
2: All right. So really interesting scenario played out here. We had three quarterbacks. Drafted in front of Green Bay. I don't know that we were necessarily expecting that. And three wide receivers, not four. That'll be important when we talk later. Garrett Wilson goes 15 to the Eagles. Drake London, 16 to the Saints. And Jamison Williams went 21 to the New England Patriots, which is picked before Green Bay, of course. And with that, the Green Bay Packers are now on the clock. We have 10 minutes. All right, so top available prospects. We have Trevor Penning the tackle out of Northern Iowa, Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State, um, and I'll let you talk about the rest of them.
3: Yeah, I didn't realize how polarizing Trevor Penning was as a prospect until I hopped on Twitter, but Brian Gutekunst isn't on Twitter, so I'm going to (laughs) pretend that I don't know that he's a polarizing prospect. So, Kyle, we have Tyler Lindbaum, the interior offensive lineman out of Iowa, George Karloftis, uh, the edge from Purdue, Devin Lloyd, of course, an inside linebacker. Daxton Hill, a Swiss Army knife kind of safety out of Michigan, Kenyon Green, another offensive lineman, Jahad Dotson, wide receiver, Kair Elam, the corner out of Florida, and then Traylon Burks, wide receiver out of Arkansas. How are you leaning as my top scout?
1: Well, Brian, am I addressing you as Brian tonight, Maggie? Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Brian. Um, So, I mean, all our conversations, I think we feel pretty good. We've done our simulations and talked about different scenarios that could present themselves. And I think if we knew that the board was going to fall this way, we would have been pretty happy. So I think we've got some great options to choose from here. We've talked about the different uh, needs that this roster has right now. And I think that there's some opportunity to address those things, addressing positions, as well as getting a valuable player, not reaching to fill those spots. So um, I have four names that jump out to me that I would say are significantly more intriguing than the rest that I would consider values based on our conversations before. Um, do you want me to suggest those to you or do you want to see if we have the same names?
3: I do because I also have four.
1: Do you have four? Okay. Yeah. Do you have one Trevor Penning?
3: Yes. This is like guess who.
1: This is great. <laughs> do you have one Chris Alave? I do. Do you have one George Karloftis? Absolutely. Do you have one Daxton Hill?
3: I do. So we have yes! it. <laughs> I, I, I hate
2: to interrupt this matchmaking Shut game. but um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just the peon, but we got a phone call. So okay. the Tennessee Titans have made an offer. They're willing to move up from 26. So they'd give us 26 and then also pick 90, which is a third rounder. Uh, the trade value chart says that that's 780 we're giving up and 840 we're bringing back. So it is it is a little bit of a win according to the trade chart. Um, but if I do say so myself, Tennessee may be eyeing a wide receiver.
1: Mm, interesting. I like,
3: Kyle, that I saw you counting because I was doing the same. I'm like, OK, mm. we're at 22. So right. <laughs> if we have four names on our big board. Yeah. I do agree with Andrew, though, that I think Tennessee would be moving up for a wide receiver at this point, And knowing that three wide receivers already went off the board, there's a couple names here I would feel better about waiting until 28. I think they'd still be there. Mm-hmm. Don't think Chris Olave is one of those names. So I would think that, you know, if you're the Packers and you are looking at one of the top wide receiver prospects, probably not going to be there in the latter half of this, these 20s.
1: I think that that assessment is right. I think if we accept this trade, we assume that Chris Olave is probably off the board. Obviously, we've discussed four names. Um, if we feel like, you know, we're content with taking one of those four names, I think I think you probably assume Trevor Penning probably goes, uh, just to be safe. And you're probably looking at choosing between George Carloptis and Daxton Hill, which no one is— no one is crying about. Those are great players. Um, I guess the question is, is there anything that intrigues us about a third round pick at, at 90 that is more valuable than taking what, if we value Trevor Penny and Chris Olave um, to the point where we feel like we should select them here?
3: Yeah, I think to me, the way I'm looking at the value right now is to to take your swing for the fences at 22 and go with the guy that you're most confident in and then shop around pick 28. Because mm. we know that there's a couple teams that may be looking to move into that really late portion of the first round if there's a quarterback or somebody that they're trying to get a fifth year option on. So I think we stay put at 22 and make a selection and then, you know, shop around. We can we can have Andrew work in the phones and see how he feels about 28.
2: Yeah, I can certainly hang up on them, but uh, we did just get a trade offer, and we have about five and a half minutes left. Uh, before we need to have our pick in. Um, Detroit called us, Hang which up. is interesting. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> well, uh, too late. I already took the notes. But uh, it, they know that they're going to have to overpay because, of course, this is the in-division trade. They're trying to move up from 32, and they're offering pick 66, which is the second pick in the third round. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trade values, uh, again, we we're giving up 780 points. We're getting back 850, so it, it's a little bit of a win, too. But that is a long slide down to 32. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I don't know about you, Kyle, but I feel like at that point we are probably maybe, maybe a Daxton Hill at 32, but I don't feel confident that any of our big four would still be there if you're looking at 28 and 32.
1: Yeah, that's, pr- that's a pretty big risk for a lot of unknown and what you're picking up there. Um, I mean, that's a great, that's a great pick. 66 is a great pick, but I just feel like I think we like the guys that we like here and I think I'm happy to stay.
3: I agree. Are we, should we run the card up early, Andrew? Does anybody, yeah, the phones are perfectly dead?
1: perfectly appropriate. The phones okay. are dead. You got about four minutes left. Okay. So, so we, we ha- have, we haven't really narrowed down to our, our selection yet. Have we, I guess. So, um, I mean, as- I
3: think we felt, we felt good about the fact that two of our four would maybe still be there at 28. And if they weren't, the guys we liked the best were probably going to be who we're narrowing it down to at mm-hmm. 22. So I think it's Trevor Penning. Or Chris Olave. Is that, are we in agreement?
1: Yeah, we we agree. I, the question is, like, I didn't think that Trevor Penning would be available here. Um, that's intriguing. We have questions at right tackle. And, I mean, that's a premium position. And I think that that's, uh, I think there's a lot of optimism to think that he's going to be a great player in this league for 10 years. Um, the elephant in the room is that we need a wide receiver. And I think that there is a significant drop off after the quality of player that you're looking at in Chris Olave, um, two other players in this draft. I even think Traylon Burks is on this board, but a pure route runner that I think steps in and contributes immediately in um, such a clean evaluation. I just don't think we have that in some of our, our players. Even if you get into the second round, there's not that kind of quality player. So I think that you can make the exception to take Chris Olave here, even though we may not consider a wide receiver to be that premium position. But uh, this is a great situation to be in, and I'm comfortable with the decision.
3: I agree. And the way that I look at the offensive line room, you know, if there's one room that the scouting department really has eyes on its offensive line we're not sure yet what's going to happen with elton jenkins long term he might be the right tackle of the future and make right tackle money so as much as you want depth there and a swing piece there will be veterans in free agency after the draft if they're looking to fill an immediate need otherwise you know there's potential on day two and of course day three where we found some hidden gems in the past so i think i think the pick is in
2: the pig is uh, in. I'm so, so excited. <laughs> so am I, am I turning in the card for whom?
3: Chris Olave, wide receiver, Ohio State.
2: Very nice. All right. Well, you left two minutes on the clock. I like that. So nice. normally we'd be done, right? Uh, and Chris Olave, I think Packer fans would be over the moon for. Um, but we don't have to end it there tonight because <laughs> Packers, of course, are picking again at 28. So. Um, in this simulation, a lot of the players that you discussed uh, have gone in between picks 23 and 28. So um, we'll reset the board and give you another 10 minutes. But uh, you, you can talk through the prospects who have made it uh, to pick 28.
3: Yeah, so as we expected, we are without Trevor Penning available, Dax Hill and George Karloftis. So we've still got on the board Devin Lloyd, Kenyon Green, um, Elam out of Florida. Traylon Burks is still there at wide receiver. Um, but then we've got Louis Seen from Georgia, Boye Maffe the edge out of Minnesota, uh, Perion Winfrey, the interior defensive lineman from Oklahoma, David Ajabo, edge out of Michigan, N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, uh, Matt Correll, quarterback. i not even going to do that to myself i will <laughs> i will just lose my job um, jaquan brisker and sky Moore, wide receiver out of western michigan so a lot of good prospects. i just
2: i i should say george pickens is available he just was cut off of the list that i provided for you okay
3: good to know two wide receivers in the first round feels a little just a little rich Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Do you have a same set number of players that you're most comfortable with in this list? Do you? I would say I have maybe three.
1: Okay. I feel like my list is shorter. Actually, it's weird. You get further down. I feel like my list is shorter. Gosh, are we eliminating wide receiver just because we feel like we need to distribute our, our picks into other places?
3: I feel like there's some good wide receivers that could be round three guys or even round two.
1: So we're kicking kicking Mr. Traylon Burks to the curb then. Um I'm gonna say hmm, I have three names and a fourth, but I feel like the fourth is someone that we could maybe get aggressive to move up for um for one of our other other picks in the second round. So my my three give me your three. Let's see if we match up here. Do you have one <laughs> Lewis scene? Yes, Do that's you number have, one. Do you have one Boye Mafé? I do. Do you have one Perion Winfrey? Yes. <laughs> nice. And then my last one is Jaquan Brisker, but I feel like that's the guy that I would target uh, to come up in the second round for probably. But those are, those are my three guys if we're eliminating wide receivers.
3: I agree. I think Brisker has the best shot absolutely of being there, or even midday too at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, we know safety is a position of need. Packers did it a couple years ago with Darnell Savage, so clearly not afraid to take swings on those fifth-year prospects. We don't know what the safety room is going to look like long-term. We've got Adrian Amos, potential candidate for an extension, nothing in the works yet. Darnell Savage still on his rookie deal, but again, has the fifth-year option. Not sure where it's going beyond that. Packers haven't extended that offer yet to him, so Lewis seen makes a ton of sense from a value perspective, but... Then you've got Boye Mafe, who, of course, plays arguably the position that the Packers covet most as a first-round prospect in edge rusher, did just sign Preston Smith to a long-term deal. Rashawn Gary's coming up soon with Darnell Savage, um, has the fifth-year option, but he'll get paid, assumed by Green Bay, but he'll get paid and cost a lot of money, so maybe we'll need some cheaper talent. So to me, I think that's the cutoff. I love Perion Winfrey. I just don't see the Packers us I don't see us valuing (laughs) that the same way that we would value Lewisine and Boye Mafe at this point
1: I think I agree with you I think I like that and I think there's some development we've discussed uh as a staff of course more more wonderful uh evaluators (laughs) of talent in this room you know with with Winfrey that there's there's a little bit more question there of of maybe uh, what he is at the next level, even though it's it's promising, maybe a little bit r- more room for some some bus potential there. Um, I'm comfortable with Lewisine and Boye Mafe. Um, the question, this is this is for you, the general manager, because this is why you get paid the big bucks, uh, Mr. Brian Goodikins. But I think I value Lewisine as a prospect more than I value Boye Mafe, but it's close, and I love Jaquan Brisker. So if we thought that we wanted to get really aggressive and try to come back up in the second round and get another another safety impact player who's going to be your safety three, That a, that's a really valuable position for our team, but it is safety three versus maybe safe or edge three, which is also an impact player that's gonna be on the field. So that's my question to you. Uh, how do you feel about those two?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think right now we're kind of looking at where we think the talent in each class is gonna drop off. We know that there's maybe a top five at the safety position and then there's still good safeties left, but maybe not like you're saying, you know, those impact players and there's still some good depth pieces at edge rusher. It feels like well into the third round. So I think from a value standpoint, you know, Lewis scene would maybe make the most sense from, from that. But if we're talking about wanting the fifth year option on a guy like an edge rusher and getting aggressive, bundling some picks, we do feel pretty comfortable that a guy like Jaquan Brisker who, depending on how you grade them, could be pretty closely valued compared to Lewis Scene, might be available early day two for you to be able to move up and get him.
1: I do like the versatility with Brisker. I feel like he does a nice job playing all over in alignments. I think you can play him in, in the slot. I've seen some people um, in our building say that uh, that they believe he could even play some some snaps at cornerback. He's just that versatile. I don't know that we would play him there, but I think you love that. And so I think maybe if we just want to roll the dice, maybe we say we, we take the edge rusher here.
3: Yeah, I think, um, you know, just kind of looking at the big board and what's available. Andrea, is there anything on the phones?
2: Uh, yeah, so we have about four minutes left. There was one trade offer, but it's the only only team we've heard from. Seattle is calling. I think they want to jump back in and, and get that fifth year option on a quarterback that they covet. But uh, they're offering pick 40, In the second round and pick 72 in the third. That is a win according to the trade value chart of about 70 points, Uh, but dropping from 28 to 40 is a pretty significant uh, drop off.
3: Yeah, I think if we're moving down 12 spots, you're arguing at this point that Lewis seen likely wouldn't be there. Maffe likely wouldn't be there. Uh, Winfrey probably wouldn't be there. David Ajabo maybe still wouldn't be there. And then Jaquan Brisker, maybe, maybe right on the cusp at 40, but that yeah. does give you ammo with 40 and then your two picks in the fifties to move up, you know, maybe into the thirties if one of your guys is starting to fall. So how do you feel about that from a value standpoint, picking up a third and a second?
1: I think it becomes, I think the target almost becomes brisker at that point. So you bypass the first guys and then you just say, we're just going to take brisker and then hope to, you know, capitalize on some of this depth in the second round. But um, love brisker as a player. I, I like, I like our previous conversation though. And I'd like to add one of these guys to our team probably.
3: Yeah. I I think it's a, it's a sweet spot to be in. You know, the value is there to, to be able to take three picks in the second round. But I think if there's a player that you know we are valuing or loving above all, that fifth-year option is really going to come in handy. So, I don't know. I think to me, it's still Cien or Mafé. I think that they have the potential to come in and be game wreckers. And I, I think I lean Maffey at this point, just because you know we know that there's going to be a little bit of depth, maybe in the second round to move up and and go after a
1: guy like Brisker. I like it. I think the depth will be there at safety, and so I think I think edge rusher is going to be the the pick here.
3: Yeah, Andrew, we're going to run the card up.
1: All right. So you ended with
2: about two minutes to go again. So you're making making the most of uh, quick decisions. That's great. And so uh, the Packers in this simulation come away with Chris Olave and Boye Mafe, and uh, I will leave it up to the listeners to let them. Uh, or let us know what they think about those decisions. But really quick before we go, I thought it would be fun if since we won't be on again until we already know the Packers selections in the first round, if we gave a little bit of a prediction of what we think is going to come to fruition next Thursday. So either one of
1: you two want to go first?
3: Kyle, you go first since I had to oh be the GM. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> okay. So, um, I do think we get a wide receiver in the first round. I think two wide receivers is not going to happen. Um, as Maggie said, that would be such a departure from what we've seen the Packers do. And Brian Gutekunst doesn't seem like a reactionary GM. Um, I think he's going to be a little bit more measured than that. And I, I, So I think we'll see them make one investment. I do think that we may see a trade-up. Because I think that there will be some guys that the Packers value at wide receiver Um, And I think that the Packers will perceive a very steep fall off after a few guys that they value in the first round. Um, We've talked about Pickens. We've talked about Watson and some of these guys. But there are other questions surrounding those players, whether off the field or age or development, uh, that I think is a steep drop off from these first four or five wide receivers. And so I will predict that they take a wide receiver in the mid to late teens after a trade up uh, to, to get their guy.
3: I like it. That's bold. I, yeah, I'm. I go back and forth. I think the Packers make two selections in the first round, but I don't think that they happen necessarily at 22 and 28. Mm. I I think for sure they'll be making a pick in the early 20s or late teens. Um, I think 28 is going to be a hot commodity. I think they could get some interest to move back, you know, into the very early day two, get a set, another second round pick. But I do think the Packers end up you know, honoring their board and making two picks in the first round. I think one is a wide receiver. I honestly think it'll kind of go similarly to what we did tonight where there's going to be an edge rusher there that the Packers are really going to love. I don't see it being a tackle. Safety wide receiver edge would be the only picks for me, I think.
2: Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Sorry, that was my timer for the clock being <laughs> up, so. <laughs> I'm sure that'll find its way into the audio feed. My my prediction, I, I I have two things to share really quick. Number one, I think if they stick and pick at 22 and 28, my prediction is Dax Hill at 22 and George Pickens at 28. I don't love Pickens, but I have been taking a look at, like, what did I miss last year when I had Eric Stokes listed really late? And not just because he's a Georgia prospect, but I think Pickens checks all of the boxes. And I think he's somebody that the Packers may secretly covet, um, and so that that's just my like weird inclination at this point. But I just wanted to to share this. I was I was running the numbers as you two were talking, of the trade value chart. And what about this as a scenario? The Packers stay at twenty-two, and they pick there. They take twenty-eight, and they package their third-round pick to move up to twenty-three. So you're picking twenty-two and twenty-three. And they could package their two second-round picks, and the rough value of those two picks is 27. So what? could the Packers do three first-round picks? Get I don't know. This is crazy. <laughs> I've been that thinking about is the wild. Too much. But there's my conspiracy theory where they could potentially, like in a situation we just laid out, maybe get a guy like Olave and Karloftis – And maybe that's safety, right? If it's Dax Hill or Lewis Mm -hmm. scene or whoever they love and like come out of the first round, just glowing.
1: So this is crazy. I'm glad you brought this up, Andrew, because you just blew my mind with the thought of coming back into the first with a third pick that hadn't really rattled around my brain. But when we were on the clock, Maggie, this wasn't a scenario that Andrew gave to us because he's a jerk. But initially, (laughs) initially, like the first thought is like, we're on the clock at 22. We've got four guys. We're sitting at 28. Like I would be calling everyone to get to 23, 24, 25 and try to land a second guy there. Because I mean, the cost to do that is a third round pick. Probably, Um, you know, you probably the Packers have moved from the late. First to the early 20s before, so a little bit of an overpay to give up a third. Um, I think Brian Gutekunst would do that for one of those players, probably, assuming that he views them like we do. Um, but that would be my first instinct, would not be to take a trade back, but would be, how do I come up just the short distance and make sure I get two of these guys?
3: Yeah, I definitely think two picks in the first round, but I don't see them being at 22 or 28.
1: Mm.
2: So I like all it. sorts of interesting scenarios, it's coming. <laughs> Like, it's it's next week. It's insane to think of this. But uh, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack Day Podcast. You can find Maggie on Twitter, at Maggie J. Loney. You can find Kyle, at Packer, underscore Pundit. You can find me, at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every Friday. And next week, we'll be back, staying up late, and providing you analysis of round one of the 2022 NFL draft. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, remember.